is a recycled thoughts or same kind of thought keeps coming back and coming back and we're kind of plagued by it or something we're worrying about or we keep going around and around something around and around whereas before earlier today we talked about wandering thoughts which are you know kind of a little aggravating but they're more like we're just going here and going there thinking about this thinking about that so more of just kind of a distraction whereas the recycle thoughts or repetitive thoughts are usually based on some kind of fear worry that something we're losing control of something or we want something else and so as we in our sitting practice as we just observe that happening you can also break it down a little bit rather than just try to get rid of it or try to justify it I don't like that I wish it would go away I'd like to stop that I wish I would stop thinking about that all the time it's not helping a single bit to keep continually thinking about that all the time over and over and over it's just going to leave me alone I feel plagued you know what I'm saying I'm saying so rather than just push on it or rather than just do do the passion not the aggression part but the passion part which is to begin to figure it out or blame someone for it or blame ourselves or going to the mechanics of it uh, uh, from the point of view of some kind of strategy of trying to change it or forget it do away with it uh, elaborate on it stretch it out so that it's but the basic repetition is stretched into some other shape which is uh, somewhat on some level maybe more acceptable because at least it's not exactly the same thing so what i'm saying here is rather than doing anything of those any either one of those or shutting down distracting yourself you could actually do all of that might need to do some of that to just see the different ways that we fool around with whatever something arises and we meddle with it we push it we pull it we shut down we uh, sorry as you know so what i'm saying is uh, another way of working with that even on the cushion is to see if you can see the beginning of it if it, if it is repetitive which is one of the things we uh, comment on this just keeps coming back it, it really is repetitive see if you can see it coming see if you can see it leaving where it starts. What does it look like when it starts? What does it look like when it finishes? Is that ringing for a particular reason? Oh, it's interrupted in the internet. Oh, it's back on again. Oh, so it's kind of like a repetitive thought. It is a repetitive signal. Hopefully, it'll stay. Well, we'll examine. But you know, once you once you learn or train yourself to do this on the cushion, you can also begin to do that. As you're having a conversation with someone, you can watch something, watch thoughts arise, look at the front of them, look at the back of them, and look at the center. The discovery that you can't find a front, a back, or a center is also examining the thought. So those are just concepts we lay on it. Will this particular grid of beginning, middle, and end fit that thought pattern? Or what is a thought? What does a thought look like? Rather than what is the content of the thought, which we're constantly uh, magnetized by repetition recycling we could say it this way or we could say it some other way but the way i'm going to say it is if you if you if you really really see what that is and don't push it don't pull it and don't shut down on it it probably will not come back i'm not saying that if it refers to a specific situation that that situation itself might not cause that kind of fretting or worrying to come back but probably on the cushion not going to come back it's only going only going to come back i would say you could disagree but i would say if you're completely thorough with it, if you completely let it come let it go and don't don't stop observing it or looking at it and then it 
probably will run out of energy because it gets its energy by being agreed with or opposed or, or um, closed off. That's how it looks here. It's just that. And when, when everything is, when things are not separate, then the only way they can show up as a separation is when they're self-existing. They don't have a past or a future. They don't even have cause and effect. So it's, it's a, you're actually, you've actually transcended the polarity that we're apparently born into of life and death and up and down of success and failure, the, the spiritual materialism that we're all, I mean, the spiritual, scientific, physical, cultural materialism, we're all involved in success, making money and getting ahead, all of that. So self-existing is something arises and it's just that, nothing extra. There's no elaboration. There's no condemnation. You don't know whether it's good or bad. You don't, you don't, that doesn't apply in that situation. If there's a good or a bad, then it's not self-existing. It's got some kind of a, a, a trajectory to it. And actually, us, we all are self-existing. We're just here. For sure, we have a karma, but who we are fundamentally is just here. Just here. And so when you, somewhere in your life, if you somehow understand and make the change your allegiance from this material world of getting ahead or failing or trying to get better or trying not to look bad or trying to look good or trying to become enlightened or trying not to become so crazy all of this if you can see who you actually are then self-existing yes when you say uh just here the fundamental part of yourself that's just here you say just this does that change no Everything else is changing. And then at some point or points, you could say that you see that just this is also not separate from anything. So it's just that, this and that. And what we're trying to do, what I'm trying to do, with some understanding of what this is, is to, is to help encourage everyone to just slow down and just be here. Just be this, just, just this situation. Looks like there's a past. Looks like a little while ago there was somebody sitting in that room, and there was from a, from a relative point of view. But fundamentally, it was just this. Can that take on different shapes of being painful or more happy? Yeah. <laughs> it's just that, just the Wi-Fi. And self-existing, um, self-existing. In contrast to dependent origination, it looks like a certain contrast there, but it's both separate from it and the same thing. Because if it's the same, if it's separate from it, then it's just self-existing. There's no past, no future, no this, no that. There's just this, just this, as it is. But if it's not separate from dependent origination, then the different dependent origination is just saying that everything is dependent on everything else. For its apparent singularity, which means it's uh, not two, can't have two things. And if, there's, if it's not two, then then that that situation is uh, resonates with uh, in terms of uh, awareness of it to, with uh, just this or self-existing. I'm um, curious in how a self-existing thought is still dependently originated because it's not two. So anytime we use any concept for anything. We're pointing at, if you're conceptualizing anything, you're you're separating it, that out from everything else to, to be able to talk about. And when you do that, it's both that is like this, 
is separate from everything else in the world, but it's dependently arisen. So it's dependent on everything else in the world for it's apparent what it is, more or less. I find it really the confusion is, you don't have to get rid of the confusion. Just just go into the confusion and see that the confusion, see what's happening in the confusion when you take two situations and someone says they're not separate. They look separate. It looks like this is this and the rest of it's the world. But those two situations are not separate because of dependent origination, of the understanding of dependent origination, which is completely, doesn't miss a drop of anything anywhere. And it is, oh, this gets to be outside. No, it doesn't. There is no outside. So like outside and inside is a, if you go, if you go in, into the bathroom, you're not in this room anymore. But if you come back in, then you're not in the bathroom anymore. So you go inside and outside, but then you still have to go outside of the building. And then if you leave the earth, then you have to go outside of the earth. You're always caught in some kind of polarity, as long as there is things show up in a relative way. But you can actually just not go anywhere and see, see what's true right here, which is not separate. Are you agreeing or disagreeing? I'm um, getting less confusing. Hold on a second. <laughs> you mean it's becoming more clear? It's not oh. so much all messy up there. So the thing about confusion is you're is if you don't do anything with it, it's just that. It's self-existing. Even this, even the confusion is good and bad, happy and sad, all thoughts vanish into emptiness. Like the imprint of a bird in the sky. And then that's that sadhana Mahabhudra goes on. If you seem not separate, is there any relativity in that sadhana? It's the same thing. It's not two, it's not the, the teaching is non dual. But as soon as we find out non dual, not two, then we also, everything collapses right back into, you know, time to clean the, clean the bathroom, time to do our laundry, time to go for a walk, time to, for this physical form to die feels like we're separate beings. It's quite, quite a powerful illusion. Yeah. Yeah. So self-existing and lacking inherent existence. Mm -hmm. Same thing. It lacks inherent existence. So self, we have to talk about it. So we say, so it's relatively existing. There's the cup, there's the carpeting, there's the cup, there's the painting, there's the fan. It's relatively existing. But if we look just at that and say it has no inherent existence, at the same time it's self-existent, couldn't be otherwise. If it were, nothing would work. Everything would be like a 1951 Ford Victoria without an engine. Going nowhere fast. Hmm. What? Said going nowhere fast. I like that. That's, that's a good one. That's kind of a teaching on emptiness. Going nowhere fast. Yes. Um, even if the thought is. Um, has a different appearance. Could it still be a recycled thought in terms of yeah. habit energies? It could be. It could be. So, but uh, I'm just wondering how to work with those thoughts that look different but are still have a recycled quality to them. I think just repetition. Just continue to look, see the contrast, and don't necessarily go into any kind of propaganda around it. This shouldn't happen. That should be happening. This is a good thing. That's a bad thing. So, insofar as you can. Be as what well, even handed as possible. Sit down, hold still, and just be this. And as you're doing this, all the sense fields are open. You'll notice things continue to not do exactly what you're doing. So your intention is to just be here. You can call it meditation. You can call it um, frog legs. Just here. So it's a way of just just here. So and whatever happens is also just here. 
So you may have thoughts, you may not have thoughts. You may get very angry about something. You may not do nothing with it. Do, do, don't, don't, nothing extra, nothing added, nothing else, as it says on her rock suit, nothing else. How do I know that? I, I don't know. The, the knowing is a not knowing. Other questions? Um, just to kind of follow up on that, um, you talked about seeing the beginning, middle, and end of recycled thought. But when, this, when, they, when the thought has um, the facade of a, of a novel you know, experience, how can we still use that practice? So here again, and, uh, and at the, for the first time, it's not so much about seeing the beginning, the middle, and the end. It's about the endeavor to do that, to take the conceptual mind that sees beginnings of things, ends of things, middle of things, and apply it to something that is ineffable. Like thought, thoughts are very, very strange. They're, they're, it's like a solidified emotion, like an emotion that starts to look like a potato chip. You know, it's just that, excuse me, except, except you can't eat them. So I think it's a, endeavoring to see that does something to the, has a, some, some kind of, something that happens with the awareness in, the, in endeavoring to do that. There's something that is understood in a deep level, it seems it's very personal that we can't add up as what well, information. We that we can't add it up as being something. Well, now we know this. It's something about the experience of relating to thoughts as if they were things that shows us <clears throat> that they're phenomena and they are. They do have a an objective situation happening, but it's extremely. Uh, you can't find it anywhere. You can't. You can find a sound, you can find a smell, you can find taste, you can find touch. First five senses, you can't. The mind, although it's receiving uh, thoughts the same way our ears are receiving sounds, our eyes are receiving sights, something's different about that. There's some kind of level of some kind of depth happens there. That actually the depth is shallow if you're just locked up in your thoughts, but if you look at the space in which the thoughts arise, it's vast. It's just endless, and there is no limitation on that. And that's when we actually start to uh, levitate. No, it doesn't work. Changes our relationship towards the materiality of things when we begin to see the space in which things, when I say middle beginning, uh, beginning, middle, and end, it's like we start to look at that and we realize we can't find that, but we can find some kind of integrity to thought. There's something about that that you can't see the how it's contained, we can't see the edge of it necessarily, but that discovery of that no discovery is a discovery because you're actually moving the awareness into a deeper uh, layer of the way consciousness works. It's, it's, you're actually leaving materialism, <clears throat> not by rejecting it, but by seeing that it's a lot deeper than just uh, a lot deeper than just this. You're actually going through that. Yes. Yep, that's the van. <laughs> So, uh, I don't know if this is a spiritual or scientific question, but if we're sitting, observing sounds, sights, smells, and thinking, if there's nothing triggering any um, conceptual story of what's going on, how or what are a string of thoughts that have context? If there's cause and effect, it's karma. Just like I set the cup down, you hear sounds, cause and effect. Same thing is happening with thoughts, something happened. Usually passion, aggression, and ignorance is usually the motivator in terms of the, the mind that thinks they're, that there's are solid beings. If you, if, you, if you understand that you're not a solid being and that there's nothing solid, that you're not separate from, any, from anything, 
doesn't mean you stop having a body when you stop, you know, putting on your jacket or driving a car or doing anything that's relative, but there's no, there's no separate being there. So it's actually quite a bit easier to function. Then there's not a concern with how you look to others. I mean, you might be aware that you're being judged, but it's somewhat humorous that, that people who think they're solid beings Give me that out there question, Madam Bovary. It seems like the sometimes sitting there when thoughts and dreams go beyond what seems to have context in your life, it seems impossible that it would be able to take imprints in your brain somewhere that are randomly regurgitated. Maybe this is the case and maybe not, but it seems like thoughts are coming from outside of your head sometimes, like information is endless coming in. So if if you saw what this is, if I saw what this is, if, if random <laughs> things come into your mind, yeah. does your brain grasp enough to at least give it some kind of contextual storyline? Doesn't matter. You see what this is? You, there's no longer a self doing that. It's just happening, just occurring. There's no, there's no one doing that. This is the misunderstanding. So does that coming in, wherever it comes from, not separate from you, animate you in a way that responds to, animate the no self in a way that responds to it interfacing with the environment? Does that make sense? Well, it makes sense, but that's a very relative construct for what could be happening. And I appreciate your, your scientific method. <laughs> Just curious. But it, 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 it actually transcends that. The reality of it includes that and transcends it. So it includes it, but it transcends it. It goes, it goes beyond that. We don't know. There's no other word that can describe it other than some kind of a beyond, which is you haven't even left the room. It's both here and not here at the same time. It's not to here and not here, not to. So there's no, the personal experience might be more like human. Something is not not funny, not laughing about it, but just like it's just you have a sense of humor about, which is very spacious, which isn't like a state of mind that's coming. It's just that you see it, and you also know that you can't really really say what it is because then we're using relative language. So to try to point this out is what is being done. Is this is how you can see this yourself? Is to watch what comes and goes, and watch what comes and goes until you see that it's not separate. You have to watch a whole lot of phenomena before you realize uh, that phenomena and noumena are not separate. Two fancy words for the same thing. Night and day, up and down, back. It's a little bit deeper. There's awareness. There's an observation of, of oh, there, you know, it's going yes. and going. It's still wearing a deeper groove. 